chapter two of the conquest of new france by george wrong this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two quebec and boston at the end of the seventeenth century it must have seemed a far cry from versailles to quebec the ocean was crossed only by small sailing vessels haunted by both tempest and pestilence the one likely to prolong the voyage by many weeks the other to involve the sacrifice of scores of lives through scurvy and other maladies yet remote as the colony seemed quebec was the child of versailles protected and nourished by louis the fourteenth and directed by him in its minutest affairs the king spent laborious hours over papers relating to the cherished colony across the sea he sent wise counsel to his officials in canada and with tactful patience rebuked their faults he did everything for the colonists gave them not merely land but muskets farm implements even chickens pigs and sometimes wives the defect of his government was that it tended to be too paternal the vital needs of a colony struggling with the problems of barbarism could hardly be read correctly and provided for at versailles colonies like men are strong only when they learn to take care of themselves the english colonies present a vivid contrast london did not direct and control boston in london the will indeed was not wanting for the stuart kings charles the second and james the second were not less despotic in spirit than louis the fourteenth but while in france there was a vast organism which moved only as the king willed in england power was more widely distributed it may be claimed with truth that english national liberties are a growth from the local freedom which has existed from time immemorial when british colonists left the motherland to found a new society their first instinct was to create institutions which involved local control the solemn covenant by which in sixteen twenty the worn company of the mayflower after a long and painful voyage pledged themselves to create a self-governing society was the inevitable expression of the english political spirit do what it would london could never control boston as versailles controlled quebec the english colonist kept his eyes fixed on his own fortunes from the state he expected little from himself everything he had no great sense of unity with neighboring colonists under the same crown only when he realized some peril to his interests some menace which would master him if he did not fight was he stirred to warlike energy french leaders on the other hand were thinking of world politics the voyage of verrazano the italian sailor who had been sent out by francis the first of france in fifteen twenty four and who had sailed along a great stretch of the atlantic coast was deemed by frenchmen a sufficient title to the whole of north america they flouted england's claim based upon the voyages of the cabots nearly thirty years earlier spain indeed might claim florida but the english had no real right to any footing in the new world as late as in seventeen twenty when the fortunes of france were already on the wane in the new world father bobet a priest of the congregation of missions presented to the french court a document 
which sets forth in uncompromising terms the rights of france to all the land between the thirtieth and the fiftieth parallels of latitude true he says others occupy much of this territory but france must drive out intruders and in particular the english boston rightly belongs to france and so also do new york and philadelphia the only regions to which england has any just claim are acadia newfoundland and hudson bay ceded by france under the treaty of utrecht in seventeen thirteen this weak session all true frenchmen regret and england must hand the territories back she owes france compensation for her long occupation of lands not really hers if she makes immediate restitution the king of france generous and kind will forego some of his rights and allow england to retain a strip some fifty miles wide extending from maine to florida france has the right to the whole of the interior in the mind of the reverend memorialist no doubt there was the conviction that england would soon lose the meagre strip fifty miles wide which france might yield these dreams of power had a certain substance it seems to us now that from the first the french were dreaming of the impossible we know what has happened and after the event it is an easy task to measure political forces the ambitions of france were not however empty fancies more than once she has seemed on the point of mastering the nations of the west just before the year sixteen ninety she had a great opportunity in england in sixteen sixty the fall of the system created by oliver cromwell brought back to the english throne the house of stuart for centuries the ally and usually the pupil of france stuart kings of scotland allied with france had fought the tudor kings of england stuarts in misfortune had been the pensioners of france charles the second a stuart alien in religion to the convictions of his people looked to catholic france to give him security on his throne before the first half of the reign of louis the fourteenth had ended it was the boast of the french that the king of england was vassal to their king that the states of continental europe had become mere pawns in the game of their grand monarch and that france could be master of as much of the world as was really worth mastering in sixteen seventy nine the canadian intendant du Chenot, writing from quebec to complain of the despotic conduct of the governor frontenac paid a tribute to the king our master of whom the whole world stands in awe who has just given law to all europe to men thus obsessed by the greatness of their own ruler it seemed no impossible task to overthrow a few english colonies in america of whose king their own was the patron and the paymaster the world of high politics has never been conspicuous for its knowledge of human nature a strong blow from a strong arm would it was believed both at versailles and quebec shatter forever a weak rival and give france the prize of north america officers in canada talked loftily of the ease with which france might master all the english colonies the canadians it was said were a brave and warlike people trained to endure hardship while the english colonists were undisciplined ignorant of war and cowardly the link between them and the motherland said these observers could be easily broken for the colonies were longing to be free there is no doubt that france could put into the field armies vastly greater than those of england had the french been able to cross the channel march on london and destroy english power at its root the story of civilization in a great part of north america might well have been different 
and we should perhaps find now on the banks of the hudson what we find on the banks of the st lawrence villages dominated by great churches and convents with inhabitants catholic to a man speaking the language and preserving the traditions of france the strip of inviolate sea between calais and dover made impossible however an assault on london sea power kept secure not only england but english effort in america and in the end defeated france england had defences other than her great strength on the sea in spite of the docility towards france shown by the english king charles the second himself half french in blood and at heart devoted to the triumph of the catholic faith the english people would tolerate no policies likely to make england subservient to france this was forbidden by age-long tradition the struggle had become one of religion as well as of race a fight for a century and a half with the roman catholic church had made england sternly fanatically protestant in their suspicion of the system which france accepted englishmen had sent a king to the scaffold had overthrown the monarchy and had created a military republic this republic indeed had fallen but the distrust of the aims of the roman catholic church remained intense and burst into passionate fury the moment an understanding of the aims of france gained currency there are indeed few passages in english history less creditable than the panic fear of roman catholic plots which swept the country in the days when frontenac at quebec was working to destroy english and protestant influence in america in sixteen seventy eight titus oates a clergyman of the church of england who had turned roman catholic declared that while in the secrets of his new church he had found on foot a plot to restore roman catholic dominance in england by means of the murder of charles the second and of any other crimes necessary for that purpose oates said that he had left the church and returned to his former faith because of the terrible character of the conspiracy which he had discovered his story was not even plausible he was known to be a man of vicious life moreover catholic plotters would hardly murder a king who was at heart devoted to catholic policy england however was in a nervous state of mind charles the second was known to be intriguing with france and a cruel fury surged through the nation for a share in the supposed plots a score of people among them one of the great nobles of england the venerable and innocent earl of stafford were condemned to death and executed whatever charles the second himself might have thought he was obliged for his own safety to acquiesce in the policy of persecution catholic france was not less malignant than protestant england though cruel severity had long been shown to protestants they seemed to be secure under the law of france in certain limited rights and in a restricted toleration in sixteen eighty five however louis the fourteenth revoked the edict of nantes by which henry the fourth a century earlier had guaranteed this toleration all over france there had already burst out terrible persecution and the act of louis the fourteenth brought a fiery climax unhappy heretics who would not accept roman catholic doctrine found life intolerable tens of thousands escaped from france in spite of a law which though it exiled the protestant ministers forbade other protestants to leave the country stories of plots were made the excuse to seize the property of protestants regiments of soldiers charged with the task could boast of many enforced conversions quartered on protestant household they made the life of the inmates a burden until they abandoned their religion among the means used were torture before a slow fire the tearing off of the finger-nails the driving of the whole families naked into the streets and the forbidding of any one to give them shelter the violation of women and the crowding of the heretics in loathsome prisons by such means it took a regiment of soldiers in rouen 
only a few days to convert to the old faith some six hundred families protestant ministers caught in france were sent to the galleys for life the persecutions which followed the revocation of the edict of nantes outdid even titus oates charles the second died in sixteen eighty five and the scene at his deathbed encouraged in england suspicions of catholic policy and in france hoped that this policy was near its climax of success though indolent and dissolute charles yet possessed striking mental capacity and insight he knew well that to preserve his throne he must remain outwardly a protestant and must also respect the liberties of the english nation he cherished however the roman catholic faith and the despotic ideals of his bourbon mother on his deathbed he avowed his real belief with great precautions for secrecy he was received into the roman catholic church and comforted with the consolations which it offers to the dying while this secret was suspected by the english people one further fact was perfectly clear their new king james the second was a zealous roman catholic who would use all his influence to bring england back to the roman communion suspicion of the king's designs soon became certainty and after four years of bitter conflict with james the inevitable happened the roman catholic stuart king was driven from his throne and his daughter mary and her protestant husband william of orange became the sovereigns of england by choice of the english parliament again had the struggle between roman catholic and protestant brought revolution in england and the politics of europe dominated america the revolution in london was followed by revolution in boston and new york the authority of james the second was repudiated his chief agent in new england sir edmund andros was seized and imprisoned and william and mary reigned over the english colonies in america as they reigned over the motherland to the loyal catholics of france the english who had driven out a catholic king and dethroned an ancient line were guilty of the double sin of heresy and of treason to the jesuit enthusiast in canada not only were they infidel devils in human shape upon whose plans must rest the curse of god they were also rebels republican successors of the accursed cromwell who had sent an anointed king to the block it would be a holy thing to destroy this lawless power which ruled from london the puritans of boston were in turn not less convinced that theirs was the cause of god and that satan enthroned in the french dominance at quebec must soon fall the smaller the pit the fiercer the rats passions raged in the petty colonial capitals more bitterly than even in london and paris this intensity of religious differences embittered the struggle for the mastery of the new continent the english colonies had twenty white men to one in canada yet canada was long able to wage war on something like equal terms she had the supreme advantage of a single control there was no trouble at quebec about getting a reluctant legislature to vote money for war purposes no semblance of an elected legislature existed and the money for war came not from canadians but from the capacious if now usually depleted coffers of the french court at versailles in the english colonies the legislatures preferred of all political struggles one about money with the governor the representative of the king at least one of the english colonies pennsylvania believing that evil is best conquered by non-resistance was resolutely against war for any reason good or bad other colonies often raised the more sordid objection that they were too poor to help in war the colonial legislatures indeed with their eternal demand for the privileges and rights which the british house of commons had won in the long centuries of its history constitute the most striking of all the contrasts with canada in them were always the sparks of an independent temper the english diarist evelyn wrote in sixteen seventy one 
that new england was in a peevish and touchy humor colonists who go out to found a new state will always demand rights like those which they have enjoyed at home it was unthinkable that men of boston who themselves or whose party in england had fought against a despotic king had sent him to the block and driven his son from the throne would be content with anything short of controlling the taxes which they paid making the laws which they obeyed and carrying on their affairs in their own way when obliged to accept a governor from england they were resolved as far as possible to remain his paymaster in a majority of the colonies they insisted that the salary of the governor should be voted each year by their representatives in order that they might be always to use against him the cogent logic of financial need on questions of this kind quebec had nothing to say to the king in france and to him alone went all demands for pay and honors if in such things the people of canada had no remote voice they were still as well off as frenchmen in france new england was a copy of old england and new france a copy of old france there was as yet no peevish and touchy humor at either quebec or versailles in respect to political rights canada in spite of its scanty population was better equipped for war than was any of the english colonies the french were largely explorers and hunters familiar with hardship and danger and led by men with a love of adventure the english on the other hand were chiefly traders and farmers who disliked and dreaded the horrors of war there was not to be found in all the english colonies a family of the type of the canadian family of le moyne charles le moyne of montreal a member of the canadian noblesse had ten sons every one of whom showed the spirit and capacity of the adventurous soldier they all served in the time of frontenac the most famous of them pierre le moyne d'iberville shines in varied roles he was a frontier leader who made his name a terror in the english settlements a sailor who seized and ravaged the english settlements in newfoundland who led a french squadron to the remote and chill waters of hudson bay and captured there the english strongholds of the fur trade and a leader in the more peaceful task of founding at the mouth of the mississippi the colony of louisiana canada had the advantage over the english colonies in bold pioneers of this type canada was never doubtful of the english peril or divided in the desire to destroy it nearly always a soldier or a naval officer ruled in the chateau st louis at quebec with eyes alert to sea and arms ready to avert military danger england sometimes sent to her colonies in america governors who were disreputable and inefficient needy hangers-on too well known at home to make it wise there to give them office but thought good enough for the colonies it would not have been easy to find a governor less fitted to maintain the dignity and culture of high office than sir william phipps governor of massachusetts in the time of frontenac phipps however though a rough brawler was reasonably efficient but lord cornbury who became earl of clarendon owed his appointment as governor of new jersey and new york in seventeen o one only to his necessities and to the desire of his powerful connections to provide for him queen anne was his cousin he was a profligate feeble in mind but arrogant in spirit with no burden of honesty and a great burden of debt and he made no change in his scandalous mode of life when he represented his sovereign at new york there were other governors only slightly better canada had none as bad her viceroys as a rule kept up the dignity of their office and respected the decencies of life in english colonies governors eked out their incomes by charging heavy fees for official acts and any one who refused to pay such fees was not likely to secure attention to his business in canada the population was too scanty and the opportunity too limited to furnish happy hunting-grounds of this kind 
the governors however badly paid as they were must live and in the case of a man like frontenac repair fortunes shattered at court to do so they were likely to have some concealed interest in the fur trade this was forbidden by the court but was almost a universal practice some of the governors carried trading to great lengths and aroused the bitter hostility of rival trading interests the fur trade was easily controlled as a government monopoly and it was unfair that a needy governor should share its profits but after all such a quarrel was only between rival monopolists better a trading governor than one who plundered the people or who by drunken profligacy discredited his office while all canada was devoted to the roman catholic church the diversity of religious beliefs in the english colonies was a marked feature of social life in virginia by law of the colony the church of england was the established church in massachusetts founded by stern puritans the public services of the church of england were long prohibited in pennsylvania there was dominant the sect derisively called quakers who would have no ecclesiastical organization and believed that religion was purely a matter for the individual soul boston jeered at the superstitions of quebec such as the belief of the missionaries that a drop of water with the murmured words of baptism transformed a dying indian child from an outcast savage into an angel of light quebec might however deride boston with equal justice sir william phipps believed that malignant and invisible devils had made a special invasion of massachusetts dragging people from their houses pushing them into fire and water and carrying them through the air for miles over trees and hills these devils it was thought took visible form of which the favourite was that of a black cat witches were thought to be able to pass through keyholes and to exercise charms which would destroy their victims while phipps and frontenac were struggling for the mastery of canada a fever of excitement ran through new england about these perils of witchcraft when in sixteen ninety two phipps became governor of massachusetts he named a special court to try accused persons the court considered hundreds of cases and condemned and hanged nineteen persons for wholly imaginary crimes whatever the faults of the rule of the priests at quebec they never equalled this in brutality or surpassed it in blind superstition in new england we find bitter religious persecution in canada there was none the door was completely closed to protestants and the family within were all of one mind there was no one to persecute the old contrast between french and english ideals still endures at quebec there was an early zeal for education in sixteen thirty eight the year in which harvard college was organized a college and a school for training the french youth and the natives were founded at quebec in the next year the ursuline nuns established at quebec the convent which through all the intervening years has continued its important work of educating girls in zeal for education quebec was therefore not behind boston but the spirit was different quebec believed that safety lay in control by the church and this control it still maintains massachusetts came in time to believe that safety lay in freeing education from any spiritual authority to-day laval university at quebec and harvard university at cambridge represent the outcome of these differing modes of thought other forces were working to produce essentially different types the printing press quebec did not know and down to the final overthrow of the french power in seventeen sixty three no newspaper or book was issued in canada massachusetts on the other hand had a printing press as early as in sixteen thirty eight and soon books were being printed in the colony of course in the spirit of the time there was a strict censorship but by seventeen twenty two this had come to an end and after that the newspaper unknown in canada was busy and free in its task of helping to mould the thought 
of the english colonies in america End of chapter two